Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope you had a fantastic weekend in the wild and wacky world of sports and beyond. We have some fun in store for you today, including, as you might have guessed, we will have questions, comments, complaints, angry gestures toward officials, big celebrations of Duke players and coaches, some nitpicking of those Carolina guys. It was another special game in what our recent guest Jay Billis has called a rivalry that never lets us down, always lives up to the hype. It did again. You knew the details going in, right? Duke is fighting for like a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Carolina is scraping bottom, tied for the worst record in the ACC. Roy Williams has never had a losing season as a college basketball coach. And yet that's where the heels were, and that is where the heels remain. They fall to 10 and 13, 3 and 9 in conference play. The Blue Devils remain up top with Louisville and Florida State. We get a head-to-head -head matchup in college hoops looking forward as the Seminoles visit the Blue Devils at Cameron Indoor Stadium. No rest for the weary there. They have both been ranked in and around the national top 10 for much of the past month or so. College Hoops is front and center as we play a little game we call best and worst of the weekend. What does that allow for? Well, Dan Shulman, the legendary voice of ESPN, he had the call with Jay Billis for Blue Devils Tar Heels on Saturday night at the Smith Center. Jay joined us on the front end. Shulman joins us in hour number three today on the back end. We'll talk about the big calls. We'll talk about the big plays. We'll talk about Trey Jones and Wendell Moore joining the ranks of those who shots will never be forgotten in what is often called one of America's greatest sports rivalries. I have no objection if you like Yankees, Red Sox, or a dozen others. I have an objection if you don't include Tar Heels, Blue Devils, somewhere on that list, and it never does let us down. Remember, we get it again in Durham. Who knows? Maybe we'll get it a third time at the ACC tournament in Greensboro. I have a lot of thoughts and questions and comments on the game from Saturday night. We welcome your statewide input as we look forward to Dan Shulman of ESPN. He's third hour. That leaves time for you and me and your phone calls in hours number one and two. We have in-state and out-of-state guests joining us as VIPs. I believe each donated uh, seven figures to a charity of their choice. Melinda from in-state. Alexa is visiting from Syracuse, New York. We welcome their presence here and thank them for their million-dollar donations to make the world a better place. Duke and Carolina were not the only teams who played in a big college basketball game this weekend. Some made your worst of the weekend. Some made your best of the weekend. You can probably predict half of those, but we will open the lines as I offer my thoughts and we welcome yours. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? And what made it that? It wasn't just Duke on the bright side. It wasn't just Carolina, again, letting a game get away after the Tar Heels had played fairly well to that point, even really well to that point. Remember, up 10 against Clemson at the Smith Center, and that one got away. There was the O for forever streak. The Tigers had never beaten the Heels in Chapel Hill. Heels were up 10 on the Clemson Tigers with two minutes to go at home with the fans on their side. That game got away. They were up most of the game at Virginia Tech, remember. The Hokies, one of the pleasant surprises of the ACC. The Heels had the Hokies, 
and then that game got away. And now this one will be remembered even more. Up 13 with four and a half minutes to go. The Tar Heels let it get away. Is it more of what Duke did? Is it more of what Carolina didn't do or the mistakes the Tar Heels made? You can chime in with your best or worst of the weekend by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Darren Vaught is on assignment as the producer of the David Glenn Show. That means Charles Hadley is going to be with us in his place. Intern Will, another rising star in the broadcasting world, will be the first voice you hear if you dial 1-800-849-2761. I know you all are going to go after TV Ted. Eddie Valentine, the guy who missed the call as Andrew Playtech got involved in a backyard football game. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, bodies were flying. I'm pretty sure the defensive player is not allowed to run through the guy who is attempting to catch an inbounds pass. They got that one wrong. TV Teddy was among those close to that play. That was the worst of the weekend in my email inbox. We take your phone calls, of course, during the course of these three hours. Those are the numbers, 1-800-849-2761. Louisville beat UVA this weekend in college hoops. The XFL debuted. Question is very simple on that, if you watched. What'd you think? Vince McMahon is trying to make the first successful outdoor football league that is not the National Football League. In the history of our country, there have been like a dozen other attempts. All of them have failed. Many of them have lost millions of dollars, and some of them failed even after getting out of the gate with a really strong start. If you didn't see the TV numbers, if you can attract more than 3 million TV eyeballs, you're doing something right. Now, we all know the Super Bowl attracts 100 million-plus and that is the juggernaut of all of American TV, not just sports, but all of American television. I think it's 24 of the 25 most viewed events in the history of American TV. 24 of the top 25 are Super Bowls. One is like the final episode of MASH from way back in my childhood. Seriously. It's all Super Bowls, the rest. Now, you're not going to get tens of millions very often TV eyeballs unless it is the NFL playoffs or the college football playoff or the World Series or the very best, the championship rounds that the various sports that are most popular have to offer. The XFL for its first game got 3.3 million viewers on average. That is a success story. Just so you know, a regular season NBA game, for example, depending on which channel it's on, can often get fewer than a million. Now, if it's on ABC or one of the bigger channels, it might get 3 million. But that is a great debut, at least, for the XFL. If you watched, what did you think? There are weird rules. There's very limited star power. But they did get 17,000-plus in attendance at each of those four games. All eight teams in the new XFL were in play this weekend. If you watched, what did you think? The NBA, the NHL. Spike Lee at the Academy Awards got best of the weekend votes. MMA star John Jones, PGA star Phil Mickelson. He didn't even win, but he was the best of the weekend for many. Seth Curry, former Duke star, uh, now of the Dallas Mavericks. LeBron James had a Kobe Bryant in his honor type dunk 19 years after Kobe had a certain style dunk. LeBron did a great version of it 19 years later. Ja Morant of Memphis, the Toronto Raptors, the Boston Celtics, they're both on long winning streaks. They were among the best of the weekend that hit my inbox from college basketball. It was not just Duke against Carolina. As Roy Williams said after the game, if you were a neutral observer, you can't complain about that basketball game, right? Now, he's not a neutral observer, so he elaborated. 
Wasn't all that much fun for him. If you're a neutral observer, just a third party, no dog in the hunt, that was a thriller of a basketball game. 98-96, Duke over Carolina in overtime. Out of the 45 minutes played, the Blue Devils led for only one minute and 47 seconds. That means, if my math is correct, the Tar Heels led for 43-plus out of those 45 minutes. There is no asterisk in the win column for Duke. There is no asterisk in the lost column for Carolina. They actually had to Wake Forest. They are at 10-13. and 13. The Deeks and the Heels are tied for the worst overall record in the ACC as we speak. Tonight, of course, when Duke hosts Florida State, you are talking about the other end of the spectrum, National top 10 teams, along with the Louisville Cardinals, who again had one of the other best wins of the weekend, beating UVA by seven. The Cardinals have 10 straight victories and are another candidate from the ACC to get a very high seed. I'll give you more of my best and worst of the weekend. We will open up the phone lines on the other side. Intern Will representing William Peace University. Be nice to him. He will be the first voice you hear when you dial 1-800-849-2761. If you watch the XFL, what did you think? If you watch Duke Carolina, I don't care if you're biased, unbiased, happy, unhappy, your questions, your comments, and complaint are all welcome. A little football, a lot of basketball, pro and college, a little hockey as the Canes got a nice win in a shootout at Las Vegas on Saturday night. A little Spike Lee, a little John Jones, a little Phil Mickelson. The U.S. Women's National Soccer Team also got some love in my inbox. You can steer our ship wherever you'd like to visit in the sports universe by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Dan Shulman of ESPN had the call for Duke Carolina. He joins us live in hour number three. More of my thoughts and your calls from the weekend that was right now. 1-800-849-2761. 2761 is your invitation in to the David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is the David Glenn Show. Jones, can he get a shot off? Yes! Jones knocks it down to tie the game. Jones, takes, yes! Wendell Moore puts it home for Duke. Here we go. Phone lines are open statewide. That was Duke over Carolina in overtime. Unlikely for sure. Credit to Blue Devils for never giving up. Credit Trey Jones for coming up with a highly unlikely end-of-regulation way of tying that game. The throw it at the rim and chase it down and find a bucket to push it into overtime, that is at best a 1 in 10 percentage play, and he pulled it off. The Tar Heels did a lot right, but the Tar Heels got enough little things wrong to invite the Blue Devils back into that game. We're playing a little best and worst of the weekend. The guy whose voice you just heard there, Dan Shulman of ESPN, he had the play-by-play call with Jay Billis on Saturday night. He joins us live in hour number three. You can join us right now. What was the best thing you saw in the Duke Carolina game? What was the worst thing you saw? Or, of course, more generally, we are asking best and worst of the weekend. Anything in the sports universe that you thought was great, that you thought was awful, chime in with your vote, your ballot, your comment, your question. It was Duke, 98. 
Carolina 96 in overtime. We have lines open now. We have great guests later. Our question of the day, if you're a football fan, maybe you're into Duke Carolina, maybe not. If you watched the XFL, it was weekend number one. All eight teams were in action. Four games across the country. They all got 17 to 18,000 in attendance. And the first game, the one we have TV numbers for, 3.3 average view, 3.3 million average TV viewers. That is a really good number. It's even bigger than the 2.9 million that the Alliance of American Football got when they launched another attempt at another outside professional football league here in our country. Again, dating back decades, every one of them has folded eventually. Vince McMahon believes his XFL Part 2 will be that rare success story. ABC had one of the TV calls. Steve Levy, longtime recognizable voice of the worldwide leader, is going to be one of the voices of the XFL. And remember, every XFL game is going to be on one of six pretty well-known channels. So McMahon's not collecting the TV dollars yet. He's looking for exposure in, year, in week one. The more of you who like it, of course, the more he has a chance of making this magic happen. 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Todd and Kinston and other best and worst of the weekend phone calls real quickly on Duke over Carolina from my perspective they celebrated the 100th anniversary of that rivalry in style clearly it was the bottom of the barrel Tar Heels going in but it was not the bottom of the barrel Tar Heels in that game as Mike Krzyzewski said afterward I'm not sure what was up with Carolina all year long to this point but that was the Carolina that I thought we would see this season in this particular game against the Blue Devils Duke didn't give up. Carolina didn't either. Carolina wasn't smart enough to close the door after it had a big lead. But if you give up, if you waver, if you question the general's plan at any point, you're done. On the road, in that rivalry, as the Carolina fans thought they had it in their grasp, you can imagine the things the Duke players are hearing from the sidelines when it looks like the heavy favorite is about to get swallowed by the major underdog instead they persevered and most impressive to me was Trey Jones who took a back seat as he should in the first half hey I have a national player of the year candidate in Vernon Carey Jr. I'm not going to try to be the superstar I'm going to try to exploit an advantage that the Devils have in the post and I'm going to get it to Big Vern and you know what happened Big Vern had 18 points in the first half and the Devils were competitive while not overwhelming the Tar Heels. But Trey Jones did his job. He didn't try to be the hero. As the point guard, he's got to limit turnovers. He's got to create opportunities. He's got to, he's got to remember where Coach K wants the ball. And in the first half, he wanted the ball in Big Vern's hands down low. And Big Vern delivered with 18 points. The probable ACC player of the year, Vernon Carey Jr. Well, Vernon Carey Jr. fouled out in this game. And in the second half, without the big fella... What did Trey Jones do? He took over. He got help, but he took over. Matthew Hurt, star freshman for the Blue Devils, laid an egg. He was not ready for that environment. And that's not unusual for freshmen in a big rivalry game like this. But Wendell Moore ends up with the game-winning putback, put and a sophomore named Trey Jones did his job the right way in the first half by being deferential, did his job the right way in the second half by attacking. One of the biggest advantages Duke had in this game, especially as it went down the stretch, Roy Williams clearly trusted only seven players. I know Walker Miller was in there for a couple minutes here or there, but basically he trusted seven players. Well, when the Tar Heels had two guys foul out, 
my math is good enough to know that now you're down to five guys that you trust. And some of those five had three or four fouls. So what are you supposed to do? And this is high IQ basketball. Sounds like common sense, but in the moment, the Tar Heels failed the common sense questions from time to time. In the moment, the Blue Devils did not fail, fail the common sense question. If Cole Anthony is the most talented player on my opponent, but he has three fouls, and I'm Trey Jones with the ball in my hand, and Big Vern has already fouled out. Classy gesture, by the way. He shook Roy Williams' hand on his way to the Duke bench after fouling out. If you don't know the backstory there, it's because Roy Williams recruited Big Vern and got to know his family pretty well in South Florida, and the Tar Heels were one of his other finalists before he picked the Blue Devils. Classy gesture in the midst of a rivalry that has not always lived up to the classy label, but I think did on Saturday for the most part. Trey Jones knew... Cole Anthony's a very good defender. Cole Anthony and Trey Jones could go back and forth as if it was like a video game all day long. But Trey Jones knew that the Tar Heels were down to five guys they trusted. And what was Cole Anthony being told on the sideline? Whatever you do, don't foul, man. Whatever you do, don't foul. And anybody else who had four fouls after Armando Baycott fouled out, right? The Tar Heels were down to five dudes they trusted. Trey Jones knew Cole Anthony good enough to stop him. But not good enough to stop him when you're in the verge, on the verge of losing another key player to fouling out or at least major foul problems. Trey attacked, attacked, and attacked. He made the brilliant play by missing the free throw intentionally. That's a long shot, and somehow it worked. And although he chucked up an air ball in overtime, Wendell Moore Jr. was there to clean that up and take his place in the history of the Duke-Carolina rivalry. Todd and Kinston, you're up on the David Glenn Show. Welcome to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Go right ahead. Hey, Dave. Good to talk to you again. You too, hey, man. What's going on? You'll keep finding more and more ways to lose these games. You're right. Um, I mean, you can say what you want about, you know, the referee not making the call down the stretch. But if our boys had made free throws, this, we wouldn't even be talking about Carolina losing this game. 21 out of 38. The Tar Heels left 17 free throw points on the board. Now, you're not going to make them all, but you can't shoot 55% against one of the best teams in the nation while you're trying to dig yourself out of a season-long hole. 21 out of 38. Other than Cole Anthony, who actually made, I think, 9 out of his 10 free throws. What is that percentage? What would that be? That would be 12 out of 28. The rest of the team didn't hit half their free throws. Remember, folks, they shot better than 50% from the field. So that means you're making more than half your shots while being intensely guarded, and those other Tar Heels couldn't make even half their free throw attempts where nobody is chasing you, harassing you, or waving hands in front of your eyes. That is was a missed opportunity for the Tar Heels. It was not the only one, but you're right to circle free throws as part of the problem. Appreciate the call, Todd. 1-800-849-2761. When I talk about basketball IQ, by the way, and we'll go to Freddie and Goldsboro and then your calls too, 1-800-849-2761. It's not only Trey Jones getting it right with the attack the basket because my opponents have foul trouble. It's not only Trey Jones getting it right. He had practice to throw the ball. And remember, 
Details matter when it comes to pressure moments. Trey Jones did not go through his usual free throw routine on that play. If you watch the play, everybody's relaxed because most free throw shooters, they get the ball and they all have a routine. Some of them, you know, tug on their shorts or whatever. Some of them, there's this guy named Jeff Hornacek who always used to wipe one of his brows right before his free throw attempt. So you have this routine and the routine routine usually takes a couple seconds. Well, what did Trey Jones do? In a very high IQ attempt to catch the Tar Heels off guard, as his team needs two points and time is drifting away, he got the ball and within the first second, while everybody's relaxed, all right, Trey's going to go through a two or three second routine and then we all got to battle for this rebound in case he misses it on purpose. He took the ball, acted relaxed, and then threw it right at the rim with force, and he was the first person to react to that rebound. Why? Because he was the only one who knew that he was going to throw it at that. Maybe he told his teammates, but he threw it right there. If you, You'd have to be really on your toes to think a guy is going to th- execute his free throw two or three seconds before he would in the normal course of things. That's really smart basketball. It's a little thing, but anybody who thinks I'm crazy for circling the little things, look at the final score 98 to 96 in overtime if Garrison Brooks hit a wide open Christian Keeling the only other Tar Heel who was hitting his free throws maybe the Tar Heels win that game rather than watching somebody else clank free throws off the the rim if Leaky Black talk about a smart play as we go to Freddie and Goldsboro you remember the play when they're on the perimeter and there's a kind of a scramble for the ball. Leaky Black is there. Trey Jones is there. Do you know what Duke players are taught to do 99% of the time when the ball is on the floor in a scramble? First to the floor. Like, you want to get on Coach K's bad side? Let your opponent beat you to the floor. He wants you to be the one with the bloody knees, the bloody elbows, showcasing the Duke mentality, nobody's going to outwork us. Nobody's going to beat us in the toughness game. So Trey Jones, in the heat of the moment, has to have such a high basketball IQ that he knows this is the one out of 100 times I can't just jump on the ball and either get possession or hope for a jump ball. Why? Because the clock was ticking away. 99 times out of 100, Trey Jones or any Duke player would have been coached to dive on the ball. But not when you're down two with the clock about to expire. There's not enough time for you to get another jump ball. So Trey Jones makes the right decision by not diving on it, and Leaky Black made the wrong decision by not diving on it. What are you going to do? What is the downside of you jumping on that loose ball at that moment? You're going to dare the referee to call a foul over a scrum like that? They're not going to call that. Heck, they didn't even call the foul that was when Wendell Moore knocked Andrew Playtech into next week. Sometimes the whistles don't come. Leaky Black, in the heat of the moment, made the bad mental mistake. Trey Jones, in the heat of the same moment, made the right decision, even though his instincts and his coaching were usually to dive on the ball. But not in that situation. It's easy for all of us the day after to know what was right or wrong in the heat of the moment. Anybody who's ever been an athlete will tell you it's really hard to make all the right decisions in the heat of the battle. Trey Jones did, Leaky Black didn't, and that was just one of the handful of pivotal scenes that
that went Duke's way in a game that got pushed to overtime and the Devils won 98 to 96. Freddie will be next up on the other side. You can join us from anywhere in North Carolina or listening beyond 1-800-849-2761. Dan Shulman had the call for Duke Carolina on ESPN on Saturday night with Jay Billis. Dan joins us live at the top of hour number three. More of your best and worst of the weekend. If you watched the XFL, what did you think? And whether it's a Duke Carolina vote or anything else, what was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe over these last few days? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? We will glance forward in college basketball. Duke hosting FSU tonight. NC State visiting Syracuse tomorrow night in a big matchup for both of those teams trying to get on the right side of the NCAA tournament bubble. Notre Dame's at UVA tomorrow night. UNC has to pick up the pieces and visit Wake Forest tomorrow night. So a lot of basketball ahead, of course but a lot of basketball to dissect from the weekend that was. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next on the David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours, okay? <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. If you want to go woe is me and be a little pansy or something, you know, that's your choice. And if you want to go do that and go lay in a corner and get in a fetal position and call for your mama, you can. But if you want to be a competitor, you're going to bust your tail at practice tomorrow and bust your tail at practice on Monday and try to go on the road and see if you can play your tail off on Tuesday. I told them that we've got a chance to play again. We also have a chance to play Duke again. The old coach is not going to freaking quit, and they're not either. Little Roy Williams for you. 98-96, the Heels had it, and the Heels let it get away. That is not the first time it's happened, but it had to happen this time in the big rivalry game. It was an amazing 100th anniversary celebration at the Smith Center. As Coach Williams said, these two get back together in Durham later in the regular season. Final score, 98-96 in OT, Devils over Heels. That has been a very balanced matchup for the most part in Roy Williams' time in Chapel Hill. A lot of people are surprised to learn that in Roy's time, since he came back to his alma mater as the head coach, in that time, Roy actually has more NCAA titles than Mike Krzyzewski does. Now, overall, Kay has five, Roy has three. But in their time, eight miles apart, which is a decade and a half plus at this point, Roy has three, Kay has two. Head-to-head, Mike Krzyzewski has more wins than Roy Williams does, and he added to that list with an amazing comeback victory. Best of the weekend votes left and right, as you might have guessed, for Trey Jones and Wendell Moore and Vernon Carey and Cassius Stanley and the great work the Devils did even after Carey and Stanley, two of their three best players, fouled out. You know, Matthew Hurt was a complete no-show. The Devils on the road somehow gritted their way to victory despite those negatives. They didn't play perfectly either. Trey Jones had his share of air balls and mental mistakes. One of those air balls turned into the game-winning bucket for Wendell Moore, but Trey Jones made up for those mistakes with some really smart basketball behind his 28 points, six assists, five rebounds, and three steals. Cole Anthony was really good. Most of the time for the Tar Heels, 24 points, 11 rebounds, 9 out of 10 from the free throw line. All three of those led Carolina. Points, rebounds, and free throws. That's not easy for anybody at any position. He did it as a freshman point guard in the big rivalry game. Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce, 
the transfers who were supposed to be a part of this team all year long and had both been massive disappointments, they're grad transfers, right? They've been in college basketball for a long time, just at a lower level, William and Mary or Charleston Southern. They dominated those lower leagues. At Carolina, they were supposed to be reliable role players starting back in November, and they just never came close to be anything like that. Somehow, some way, Cole Anthony was a pretty good version of himself against Duke. Somehow, some way, Christian Keeling was the best version of himself, at least in a Carolina uniform, against Duke. Justin Pierce played well as well. Garrison Brooks was pretty good. Armando Baycott before fouling out. Leaky Black kind of distributed the ball well. It's not like Carolina face-planted. Carolina did a lot right. Carolina was a better version of itself than it had been for most of this season. Remember, 10 and 13 now after losing to the Blue Devils. That's why they were in the lead for so long. That's why victory was within their grasp. A lot of mistakes, and yes, a horrible call along the way contributed to Duke 98, Carolina 96 in overtime. I'm not disagreeing with those who saw it as a horrible missed call at a very important moment when backyard football happened and Andrew Playtech got fouled right in front of Coach K, by the way. Anybody who wonders about the dynamics of such things, if you were going to call that, you are going to be calling it right in the goat's grill. You were visiting the, the Hall of Fame and dialing up the goat burger, if you were going to call that foul, a few feet away from Mike Krzyzewski. They swallowed their whistles. They missed that call. And because you're not reviewing the call on instant replay, you're only vi reviewing who last touched it, that was not clear enough for them to give the Tar Heels the ball. Carolina made, missed some opportunities. They got that bad break. Duke got some bad breaks as well. In the end, you got to fight through those things, and you got to avoid dumb fouls. you got to dive on the floor when you're supposed to. Or even at the very end, Christian Keeling, great game, got to box out Wendell Moore. You don't know if Trey Jones' shot's going to hit rim. You don't know if it's going to hit backboard. You're taught to box out your man. If you did, Wendell Moore doesn't have the game-winning bucket, and you're going to double overtime at that point. Leakey's got to dive. Christian Keeling's got to block out. Armando Baycott in foul trouble has to avoid foul number five. Those little things you can get away with when you're a great team, you cannot get away with them most of the time against your best opponents in a season like this one. Freddie is in Goldsboro, and next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Uh what I wanted to say about the game coming down to the end when Carolina was up around 10 points, they constantly let the Duke guard Jones just drive in after they missed free throws and make layups. And it looked like to me that the coach should have realized that and should have put up a uh, zone defense outside and got back preventing Duke from getting those easy layups when only three to five seconds went off of the board and then we go miss free throws again. I just think that Roy Williams is not a adequate coach when it comes down to the end when you have to come up with game strategies to try to win the game because if we'd have played a tight zone at the round the goal, Duke would not have been able to drive in and got all those easy layups taking a little off the clock. I'll put it I'll put it this way, Freddie. If you want to second guess Roy Williams on Saturday night, I think you're fair and right to do so. 
if you want to make a broader statement about Roy Williams' ability at the end of close games, I think you're out of your mind. I mean, the guy's got three NCAA titles. The guy's already in the Hall of Fame, and deservedly so. We have lost track of the number of times Roy Williams has outsmarted an opponent at the end of a close game. I mean, so we can't wipe that from the pages of history. I've been covering him since he was an assistant to Dean Smith. In that game, you had three options. You mentioned one of them. The zone defense would have at least slowed down Duke's offense. And y'all remember, Carolina's up 13 with about four minutes to go. You got you, It's in your best interest to slow the game down. You got to hit your free throws, and that's not Roy Williams' fault. But there were too many. Trey Jones is just going to be the bat out of heck just challenging Cole Anthony, daring him to try to stop him. As I mentioned earlier, Cole Anthony is smart to be wary of his foul trouble. That's not a dumb decision. That's actually a smart decision. The Tar Heels need Cole Anthony on the court. But what were Roy Williams' other options? One, the zone. And you can do that only if your defenders are back. A couple of Trey Jones' crazy, wild, you know, forays to the basket were before Carolina had gotten back on defense. You can't ask for a zone defense if your guys aren't back yet. The other thing that you could do is trust somebody else on your bench. Now, who is that player, right? You're down to five guys. After the two guys fouled out, Leaky Black fouled out, Armando Baycott fouled out. At that point in the game, you have to either decide, well, if – Cole Anthony's not allowed to challenge Trey Jones that way because they don't want him fouling out. You've got to put in either a Jeremiah Francis or anybody else, just a body, that it's okay if he pressures the ball. He bodies up on Trey Jones. He dares Trey Jones to drive around him. Now, earlier this year, you know, Carolina lost a guard named Anthony Harris that they had come to trust. Well, he hurt himself and he was out for the season. The Tar Heels have a senior guard named Brandon Robinson, who's one of their better perimeter players, probably their second best next to Cole Anthony. He missed the game with an ankle injury. So it's not like Roy Williams forgot obvious answer A and obvious answer B. They're both injured. Now, were you going to throw Jeremiah Francis in there, who's not the quickest guy in the world? Were you going to ask him to try to defend Trey Jones? At least if you did that, you would not be as fearful of fouling the guy. Fouling the guy, remember, also does stop the clock, which would have been in Duke's favor. So there was no perfect option for Roy Williams. He decided to trust his final five and was willing to live with the results. And those easy Trey Jones baskets where they were just cutting it from 12 to 10 to 8 to 6, you know, those, if they had not happened, you would not have had the opportunity for Duke to tie it at the end of regulation or win it at the end of OT. Those were huge plays. I think you're right to call it out. If you don't think Roy's good at game management, you have ignored more Carolina basketball games than you have chosen to watch. Jay is in Lewisburg, and next on the David Glenn Show, go right ahead. Hi, Dave. How's it going? Up? Well, the last caller, he said some of what I was thinking, but to me that game was lost because uh, well, Coach K, but to be honest, he outcoached Roy in the last few minutes. Like in that game, I think you're right. In that game, I think you're right. To the basket, and you had Cole Anthony on Trey Jones. Cole had four fouls, so you had to either take him, take him off of him, or go to a zone. I don't understand why Roy doesn't want to play zone. I mean, because nobody on that team plays good much defense, so you got to, I mean, make changes strategically. And as I said, you do have to have your guys back to play zone. But I get your point. Go ahead. What else did you have? Well, just for that, and I'm not to mention the free throws. 
I would like one of you, one of you guys in the media asked him how much time do they spend on free throws? Because I mean they're horrible. Yeah, that's one of those things that I don't think coaching impacts a whole lot. Uh, and I think Kay and Roy and all the other Hall of Famers would would vouch for that. Every once in a while, you get a big guy who shows up on his college campus, and he just doesn't have the right mechanics. Uh, everybody, of course, gets free throw pointers, free throw reminders. But it is really, I'll put it this way, most really good free throw shooters show up on a college campus as really good free throw shooters. And when it comes to pressure free throws, you're either comfortable in that moment or you're not. And Duke was a harder working team in the moment at times. Duke was definitely the smarter team in the heat of battle. And Duke was more comfortable under pressure. Trey Jones doesn't let anything bother him. By the way, Cole Anthony didn't let anything bother him either. He made a couple of mental mistakes, but so did Trey Jones. It was Wendell Moore as a freshman. That guy was not afraid of the moment. They needed him at Duke. Cassius Stanley had fouled out. Vernon Carey had fouled out. Trey Jones was the main man, but he needed help. Wendell Moore has not had many great games as a freshman for Duke. He is a role player at best. He missed a bunch of time with his hand surgery. He's a defensive specialist. He had been turning the ball over a lot. And yet when Duke needed him, especially after the guys that fouled out, what did Wendell Moore do? The guy had not been asked to come up big, really, in any game so far this season. And in the 100th anniversary game of one of the world's most famous sports rivalries, when they needed him, they didn't ask him to do much back when Big Vern was on the court or Cassius. Or the obvious options were Big Vern, number one, either Trey Jones or Cassius Stanley, number two, and then the other, number three. Wendell Moore was supposed to play defense, not turn the ball over, crash the boards. Well, in the end, when they needed more of Wendell Moore, he lived up to that pun. I mean, he, he put up a double-double in the end. That's not something a visiting freshman player does often at the Smith Center or Cameron Indoor Stadium. You expect Trey Jones, who's been around the block last year, to not wilt in the moment. You'd expect even a sensational freshman talent like Cole Anthony. He's been asked to be the man dating back to, like, middle school. And he's been asked to be the man by Roy Williams at Carolina. Wendell Moore is like your fifth option most of the time. And when you need him because others have fouled out, he not only gave you a good performance, he gave you a performance that included the game-winning bucket, but also was 17 points and 10 rebounds. That is team basketball. That is never-say-die basketball. And that is why Duke, one of the many reasons the Devils trailed for 43-plus minutes, but we're on the right side of the scoreboard in overtime in the end. 1-800-849-2761. Gary is going to be next on the other side. Rob wants in from Goldsboro with a best or worst of the weekend. Others want to tell us if they liked the XFL. More than 3.3 million people tuned in for the very first XFL football game. It was on ABC. There were big names calling it, big names on the sidelines. I think at one point in one of the games this weekend, Troy Aikman was there and almost got smothered when a play, an XFL on the field play, kind of fell into the sidelines where Troy was being interviewed. More on that story of the weekend. Dan Shulman, who had the call for Duke Carolina, ESPN's play-by-play voice will drop by in hour number three. You could be next Duke Carolina or the other best or worst of the weekend in sports, 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in to the David Glenn Show. 
Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Tyler is in Bunn, North Carolina. Cool place, two ends. Gary is in Wilson. Rob is in Goldsboro. Did you watch the XFL and its debut? If so, what did you think? The rest of today is Best and Worst of the Weekend. Dan Shulman had the call for ESPN as Duke and Carolina celebrated their 100th anniversary of that great rivalry in style. The heels had it for most of the way. The Devils never gave up. Duke made the smarter, better plays down the stretch, including Trey Jones on crazy, intentional free throw miss, and then the thrown bucket, throwing at the bucket at the buzzer. That one worked out well as well. Wendell Moore gets the putback of Jones' air ball in overtime. Moore, Jones, K Vernon Carey, Cassius Stanley, Coach K among the best of the weekend. Worst of the weekend for some was Carolina. For others, the referees. For some, Roy Williams. College basketball offered even more than that. Best of the weekend included Louisville, Notre Dame. Steve Wojciechowski and Marquette got a nice win against top 25 Butler. They're both NCAA tournament teams. Maryland won at a top 25 Illinois squad. Seton Hall won at number 10 Villanova. If you haven't seen Miles Powell of Seton Hall, you have missed one of the best players in the country this year. Auburn had such an amazing comeback win over top 25 LSU in overtime. I actually thought that win by Bruce Pearl's squad was going to be the best of the weekend from college basketball. But then, of course, later the same day, Duke and Carolina did their thing in the Smith Center. The Tar Heels led for 43-plus minutes. The Blue Devils led when it mattered most, 98-96 to in overtime. A nice road victory as Duke continues to chase a number one NCAA tournament seed. That journey continues tonight as they host the Florida State Seminoles. That's your 7 o'clock game on ESPN. We'll ask Dan Shulman about the ACC looking forward, but also, of course, he was right there, as were we at the Smith Center on Saturday. Tyler, welcome to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Go right ahead. Yeah, uh, first of all, David, I just want to say that I love your show. Let's do it every single day. Thank you. Um, but what I was going to say was, um, despite the loss that UNC had, I really thought that they played extremely well, especially with Paul Anthony being back and in full force. Um, and earlier in the season, everyone was saying, oh, Roy doesn't have these players, Roy doesn't have this, Roy doesn't have that. Now that Paul Anthony is back, I think he's really established himself as one of the better players in college basketball. I think the Tar Heels played pretty darn well overall. The mental mistakes, you know, at the wrong times hurt them. But I'll put it this way, with Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott inside, with Cole Anthony playing whatever, they actually use Leaky Black more as a distributor kind of traditional point guard. Cole Anthony is a great shooter. He hit his free throws. He did not hit his three-point attempts much against the Blue Devils. Uh, Anthony is a double-double machine from point guard, but in points and rebounds, which is an unusual combination. He's not as much of an assist guy. But when Brandon Robinson is healthy, you can picture a dangerous Carolina team. The problem is, if you look at their remaining schedule – it is almost impossible for them to head to the ACC tournament with a winning record. 
I mean, unless you're imagining they're just going to steamroll everybody on their schedule after that disappointing loss to Duke. It's just not that easy in this league. You can't even assume the Heels will go to Winston-Salem and beat Wake Forest tomorrow night. It just, you know, they got to go to Duke later. They've got to go to Louisville. They've got to go to Notre Dame. They've got to go to Syracuse. You know, they're projected to finish 13-18. and 18. I think they'll be better than that, but they are getting better is the bottom line. Back to your calls right after this. David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to the David Glenn Show.